Alrighty, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Lovecast. I'm here with um, a new guest, Malik White. He goes to UT with me, and then uh, with Jordan, my co-host, as always. Um, the Christian Wood trade to Dallas just happened, and we're gonna be here to react to it because this is kind of a pretty interesting trade. So, starting off with you, Malik, what did what, what were your first thoughts about uh, this trade? First, I thought they just really gave up nothing for him. I mean. Yeah. People that players that didn't play in the playoffs in the 26th pick, and they got a guy that averages 19 and nine. I mean, so that it's kind of like a win win because the Rockets are drafting, they have a lot of draft picks up coming up. And the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, they, they need they just need like a defensive wing, and they'll be set. Um, yeah. it's like a solid, good def- defensive wing, yeah. Uh, I thought. Honestly, when I first saw it, I thought good for both sides. If you're the Rockets, like Malik said, um, they have now three draft picks in the top 30. So uh, they're going to be able to completely rebuild and reshape their roster this year and pair some guys up with with Jalen Green. So um, totally fine getting that pick um, for them. And then if you're the Mavs, obviously you just need a little bit more talent to go with Luka. the Mavs were good this year, but it was clear they needed more. And I think Christian Wood is a really good player um, offensively. He's he's a very good, you know, shooting big man. And I think he's going to work well on the Mavs. I'm I'm excited to watch them play next year. Yeah, this is um, – I would describe this trade as one with just a ton of variance for the Mavs. More, It's more of a pretty clear-cut, like, win for the Rockets, in my opinion, because now they get the, 26, the 26th pick. They can pick whoever they want with that pick. There are some good names that are going to be available. This is a very deep draft class. And then they got a little bit younger and they got rid of Christian Wood, who didn't really fit what they were trying to do there. He was trying to win and get con- get bigger contracts and um, really cash in on his prime. He didn't want to ride out some you know shitty seasons with the Rockets. And for the Mavs, this was a win, too. Unfortunately, they had to let go of Boban. And the full terms of the trade, uh, real quick, are it's a one for, I believe, four or five trades. So it's just Christian Wood to, from the Rockets to the Mavericks for Boban, uh, Marquise Chris, Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, and the first – or not the first overall pick, the first round pick, which is the 26th pick in this upcoming draft. Um, so it's a pretty standard trade. And, yeah, the Mavericks get a really, really good player who could be really good or who could be a detriment to them because he doesn't bring a lot of defense and he has – at times been a, a real ball stopper where he gets the ball and he puts his head down and he gets to the rim, which Luca is already a heavy usage player and is going to be very, um, they're just a heliocentric basketball team. That's what they do. And Christian Wood could be an issue w- with to that. But if he changes his ways and, and is like a great option for Luca on the pick and roll, then he's going to be awesome. If he plays great defense, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I think, it's going to be interesting what their lineup, what lineup they roll out. So Wood is six eleven. He's listed as a power forward. I don't know. He might. He he, he might have six eleven. He might have to start at center for them. Uh, yeah. Because it's going to be Luca Brunson, probably Reggie Bullock, probably Dorian Finney-Smith, and then Christian Wood, or maybe Tim Hardaway over Reggie Bullock. I don't know. They're going to be like weird size. Um, all around and definitely not a whole lot of defense, but they're they're going to score the hell out of the ball. I can tell you that that's going to be fun. Yeah, I I feel like they played last year in the playoffs. Jason Kidd got them to play like team team style defense. Yeah, so I feel like 
if you get Tim Hardaway back, he's a solid defender. He's not the best, but like he he's adds some scoring too with with Luca. And Brunson showed in the playoffs he can score well. So if you and if you add that scoring with Christian Wood, I mean Sky might be the limit. But I don't think yeah. I don't think they're they can win the finals right now. It's no shot. Yeah, I think we were talking about this before we started. I think my question is they got to make another move, right? Do they make another move? And if so, what moves do you think they make? Well, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think there's any rush for this team. Their, their star is 23 years old. Um, Brunson, I think, is 26 or 27, maybe 25. Christian Wood's 26. They have a very good young uh, big three. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, is still young too. So I don't think there's any rush for them to, like, force a trade um, or spend too much money on someone. I think you you go into this year with the roster that they now have and, and see how it plays out, see what you need, and go from there. What do you think, Malik? I mean, I agree with that. They're, yeah, they're still a young team. And Luke is only – he's barely – he's not even close to his prime yet. So I – and plus the West is going to be way more stacked next year. So yeah. I don't – you got a longer window to try to compete for, like, a championship in the future. Well, I, I disagree a little bit in, in how much time we have because I think you got to make Luca happy and make him want to stay and build around him because I agree that he hasn't entered his prime yet, but when he does enter his prime, he's going to be getting towards the end of this contract and he's going to be really good for a really, really long time. And you want to maximize what you have with him. And in order to do that, you have to make him happy now and you have to start building this team around him the way he wants it. And I don't think Luca wants to lose anymore. I, th I think he's very adamant about winning now. And I think the Mavericks organization is very adamant about winning now. And Malik, you said yourself that you don't think they're going to win the championship with this team. I agree with that. They're too much of a liability on defense. I think they do need to make another addition to make this team better. And I, I agree that it needs to either be a defensive wing or a defensive big or both. And I think you can do that. Um, there's a lot of ways you can do that, but are there any names that like stick out that you think that they could add right now? Uh, I'd say like Miles Turner. That one sounds good. I like yeah. That. That'd be a lot of scoring too. Yeah. That'd be Plus he can block, protect the rim. Easy too. Yeah. Jordan. I think honestly you, yeah, Miles Turner would fit great. I don't know about trades, but you have to let these that'd young guys Brunson, develop and grow. What? That'd be for Brunson. I think on a sign and trade would be he's your only real trade asset. So if you don't want, that's the thing. Like they have a this big thing where if they don't want Brunson or they let him walk or he wants to go get paid, they might not be bringing Brunson back, which leaves them with some room to work, or they can use his contract in a trade. So they do. I don't think they're they're completely out out of it yet. I think there's still some moves they can make. No, it'll be interesting because we have no idea what they're thinking in the front office whether they want to sign Brunson to a big extension like he's going to get, um, you know, regardless of where he goes, or if they are willing to sign and trade him and deal him and, and try to make like some blockbuster trade. I think it's much more likely that they just sign Brunson um, and try to let him develop alongside Luca and Christian Wood. And hopefully as those three get older, uh, they can fill out the roster more and, and eventually get there with that, core i think they can like i don't think you have to force a trade um i like brunson enough that i think he can develop and and be part of a championship team eventually yeah that makes sense so next i just wanted to get into 
on the rocket side of things, how does this trade go well for them? And how does this trade go bad? I don't really see any way that it goes bad unless they make a really poor pick at pick 26. But I mean, I don't know what that, what the market was for Christian Wood, but I can't imagine. And maybe they missed out on a good player, but just like we talked about before, they're in a weird spot where they're just really bad and really young. And if anything, it's just better for them to get either worse and get more draft picks or get younger and get some assets in that. So how do you guys think this goes right? And how do you guys think this goes wrong? If there's any ways for it to go wrong. It can go wrong. And in the way, like, yeah, say, say Chet, either Chet Jabari or Apollo, they don't pan out. Yeah. And you could have kept Christian on the roster, but you really have to take that risk anyway. So Hmm. I don't really, I don't really see a way it goes bad and like over like a terrible way. It can go good in like a lot of ways because you can have like six guys you can you can play you can at the, at the start of the season yeah and they'll be ready to go yeah I think it can always go bad when you have all these picks like it's so hard to draft and evaluate talent you can always miss on a bunch of picks but honestly Christian Wood wasn't bringing them like a whole lot he's he's only 26 like I mentioned but they're so bad that they just want to build around Jalen Green I think who's what 20 22 maybe like no he's like he's got to be like he's like 20 yeah he's like 19 or 20 oh okay even better so yeah you just want to like get guys that you can build around uh Jalen Green with and now they have the third pick the 17th pick and the 26th in this draft which goes pretty deep like that that is a win and they still Uh, have Singu who I heard they traded they traded um wood to make room for more playing time for Alfred Schengen. So that's, yeah, that's that'll funny. be interesting. I like him. He's a little weird, but I like him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's say um, for hypothetical sake, they get Paulo at three. Um, let's see who else they could get at 17. So I'll just throw some names out at you guys. Um, Malachi Branham will probably be around there. I don't think he'll get to them. Um, EJ Liddell might be around there. Kennedy Chandler, uh, Tari Eason. Guys like that. Um, anyone that stands out to you guys from the draft that you could see Houston taking? I like Tari Eason in that one. I do like Kenny Chandler, but I think it would be tough with Jalen Green. And I also could see them taking EJ Liddell there. That would be a nice little, just a boost. Oh, yeah. But if they're clearing out space for Shane Goon, I think that means that he's kind of solidified the big position. And maybe you can move EJ up to like power forward or something. But I, I, I like seeing those. I, I'm not sure, like I said, about Kennedy Chandler, just because he is really good and I love him. But um, like it just would be a weird fit with Jalen Green. Really? I I really like um Nikola Jovic. Jovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good. Uh, he's like he's like six. Boy, it would be kind of complicated if you throw him in there. He's like six ten. <laughs> they would have like three guys in the front court that are like six ten and above. Oh, yeah. It'd be fun to watch though. They still have they still have they have Kevin Porter Jr. Oh yeah, which makes, it, which makes yeah. it so hard, and they still have John Wall. Literally, they can trade him. Yeah, they got to get John Wall uh, off the books. They're gonna, they have, they're setting themselves up for like a really bright future, though. I was gonna ask, um, what position do you think they should target at seventeen and twenty six? Does it matter, or do you just take the best player that you think is on the board? Um. Okay. I mean, they have a little bit of like a direction it seems that they're going to build around Jalen green at minimum and the third pick whoever that is so i yeah. think those two are your sort of core 
So I think from there, it's a mix of both where you're, you've got a way that if they fit with your two young, like stars that you're putting this, that you're believing in, but you also, if there's like an area you're bad enough where you can just take the worst or the best player available because you're so bad. Yeah. I, I think, um, I would try to target like a point, like a stereotypical point guard with the play with Jalen or like if they keep, or yeah. if they keep like John wall. Yeah. It's probably won't. They just should target like a center and at 17 or 26. Yeah. Like a I backup agree. guy that can just play minutes and give you some defense and rebounds. I think a really solid, it's, it's hard. A solid, like athletic, uh, like center to block shots and rebound stuff. If yeah. Jalen Duran uh slips to 17, I think oh. that would be a, an awesome pick. Um, at 26, I think you probably just take the best player available. I, I have no idea who it's going to be, but that guy's probably going to be coming off the bench anyway. Um, but yeah, Rockets are definitely going to be interesting. You guys have anything else uh, for this segment? Do Jalen Green and Jalen Duran lobs? Like, yeah, oh, that'd be, that'd be sick. Nuts. Actually, and Malik, I like what you brought up about John about John Wall. Like, he just hasn't played. But we yeah. saw Al Horford went to OKC, and that could have been the reason why Al Horford was playing so well for the Celtics for a while. Because, like, Bill Simmons talks about this on his podcast all the time. Like, he just rested with OKC. Like, they they just paid him to go rest, and he rehabbed, and he got his body right, and he came back, and he looked much better. I wonder if that happens to John Wall as well. And if that does happen. I, I didn't even think about the fit of him with the rest of the team. Like, that's a really interesting fit, and that could be a really interesting young team. Like, John Wall's not super old, and his veteran perspective, and maybe he takes, a like, a secondary offensive role or more of a facilitator role in the offense. That would be exactly what they need, and he's someone that can kind of harness the athleticism of, of Jalen Young because – or Jalen Young, Jalen Green, because Jalen Green goes way too hard sometimes and he's gonna hurt himself you know like he's gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah. i think john wall can be like hey dude look at my knees you need to tone it down a little bit right now do you think um what about this kennedy, kennedy chandler and jalen green in the backcourt yeah I, I like that a lot i think they would fit great yeah you think kennedy goes top 20 well he's very good and he's got that crazy athleticism and i'm really really high on him i just I don't know. They're kind, they're sort of to me like he's maybe a little bit of a less offensively dynamic version of Jalen Green. So yeah. you know Jalen Green is going to be extremely high usage, um, which he was, but and Kennedy Chandler, I, I think will be high usage, but or he would be on that team, but I think wherever he gets drafted, he's gonna get drafted to like a solid. I could see him as a as like a coming off the bench for a solid veteran team. Like I really like him on the heat because I think he would be awesome. Oh, yeah. I um I'll throw out another name. I think they should probably try to target a center at 17. And then I think Andrew Nemhart is going to be available yeah. at 26. And I think he would also fit great. Like just a, a pass first, like smart decision maker um, awesome. to control the pace. I think that would be a good pick. Yeah. Um, the next thing I wanted to get into is how does this go right and go wrong for the maps? See, the maps have a lot more variance in this, like this, this trade could have a very high ceiling or a very high floor for them, depending on what happens. Um, so let's start off with going bad. What could, like, how could this trade go wrong? Do you guys think? If they take a step back defensively and it just doesn't, they, they don't click, they don't start to click early, but they, I feel like 
yeah, it's it's gonna take it's gonna take a while from the get the used to playing with each other. But it can go bad, like in terms of if he wants if he doesn't like playing with Luca or he doesn't Luca doesn't like sharing the ball as much with him. He yeah. won out soon. He's got like a year and a half on his deal. Well, yeah, and he can leave. That's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, I think uh, I was gonna say the the way it goes wrong is you pay Brunson, then you have to then maybe like Christian Wood starts demanding a max contract, and then you're kind of stuck because obviously you have to pay Luca at some point. Um, so then you're just locked into those three guys. But like I said, I think if if they click, I wouldn't mind like paying all three of them. But what do you think, Max? Um, so for what I wrote was if Christian Wood plays overly ball dominant and in turn the offense is slow and sluggish, Luca would hate this. And this would it would just be bad overall. Um, and that's when Luca's on the floor. So if they because when I watched his film, he often just gets the ball, puts his head down and drives, or or and that can be driving to the rim or driving to the mid-range and taking like a mid-range jumper or something, or when he gets the ball um, at, the top, at the top of the key, if he's open, he's shooting it, which is fine. But in an offense with Luca, that's not going to be that, – that, that's two butting heads, right? So that's going to be a little bit of an issue. So if he doesn't, um, you know, like change his game a little bit to where he can be a good, reliable option off the pick and roll, that's going to be how he's best utilized with Luca. And then also when um, Luca comes off, if, he, if he's able to get in there, and be that secondary option uh, scoring wise that we were talking about Dinwiddie was doing last season, but he wasn't really, um, he didn't, he wasn't consistent enough with that. And then I also said, um, if he does not commit on defense or he overcommits away from the paint on defense too often, he'll just get burned a ton and they're just going to be a really poor defensive team. And that's, that's just going to be the key to beating them is that they're just terrible in the, in the uh, deep, on defense and you can just attack them there and score every time. And it's going to be like 200 to 200 um, <laughs> in the game because they, they're just only going to score. And then the other, other one is um, I said, this fails if the Mavericks do not solidify their big, their defensive big rotation and just do this move and they stay put because I think they need to add another defensive big um, Kleber is okay, but he's not like, no, nah, he's, he's not, not like, good enough. He's yeah. like a six, he's like six, nine. Yeah, and I would much. say Wood and Kleber are kind of similar defensively, and Wood is like a better version of Kleber. Yeah, he's a he's a bigger and more yeah. athletic version of Kleber. But he, I was watching his defensive highlights, dude, and they were poor. He he got beat very badly, and especially if Aiton ends up staying with Phoenix, which I don't think will happen. But even if he stays in the West, like you're gonna have to deal with him. I just think. They need to solidify their big man rotation. Maybe that can be even something simple like Mo Bamba or something like just they need to solidify with more defense. But yeah. And then, so how does this go? Well, do you guys think? It goes well if, if uh, Christian Wood is willing to like pick and pop and it it just starts working right away and they can have that click instantly and they just start rolling during the season and during the playoffs, he can, he can Luca can draw attention in the paint while he drives and pops out the back to Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. That'd be crazy easy shots for him. And he can like it, I feel like a score can go up. Yeah. With Luca, the attention Luca brings. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um you have to like find a pecking order for this to go right. It has to be Luca, obviously, and then 
Brunson as the secondary scorer, and then Christian Wood has to take a little bit of a backseat, which I think he'll be fine doing because his game is completely suited to pick and pops, catch and shoots, rolls, lobs, like all that. He doesn't need to, you know, handle the ball for a long uh, amount of time. He can play off the ball, and I think this is a great fit and a really good trade for the Mavs. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll, I think what Christian Wood is is he's a very talented role player for an NBA uh, contending team or a very talented like or a good player on a bad team. If that makes sense, like I think he can go get numbers on a great on a bad team. But I think what the best value or like the most you're going to get out of Christian Wood is if you have him as a role player on a team like the Mavericks. I think that's where he's optimized and that's where you're going to get the most winning out of him. So, yeah, this was a great segment. Thank you for coming on, Malik. Um, Malik's going to be heading up our NFL uh, podcasts uh, in the future. So stay uh, tuned for that. And we're going to be having him on as a consistent guest with us. But, yeah, he's a part of the Lovecast team now. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you all for having me. Of course, of course. Yeah, I'm no. still trying to think of that name. I'll, I'll let you know on that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries at all. And uh, yeah, so thank you all. Uh, we're going to be coming up. Uh, Jordan and I are going to be rebuilding the New York Knicks. So we're going to be getting into that. Oh. All righty. I'm back here with Jordan and we are going to be doing a little thing that we called rebuilding the Knicks. Um, we put this out on Twitter and the, the, the followers voted. They voted that we w- would rebuild the Knicks next. So that's what we did. And um, you know, we did some trades that there's like how many trades in there? There's like one trade that's a little iffy, right? But I feel yeah. like it, it could work. Like if you think the more you think about it, the more you are like, huh, that does work. So it could happen. It could happen. It's not super far fetched, but yeah, we tried to rebuild them as best as we could in one off season. That's kind of the rules. We just do um as best as we can with the draft and trades and free agents and see what we can do. I think for the Knicks, we're trying to set them up for the future. And I think we did that. Like they're not good, they're not good by any means, but they're going to be fun and they have a path. And right now, the Knicks are they were fun and they don't really have a path. So we wanted to just tighten up ship a little bit. And yeah, let's get into it, Jordan. What was the first move that we did? Yeah. So the first move we wanted to do was fire Tom Thibodeau, which sounds aggressive, and it is because no, Knicks fans agree with this. <laughs> because we are aggressive people and we're trying to fix this team and we wanted to hire will hardy who was max's choice so i'll let him explain yeah so will hardy is um this little gem he's a celtics assistant coach and if this happened in real life i would be very very upset because will hardy is really really awesome and he's an integral part to what this celtics team does um from what i've listened to and research i've done and stuff like that he is like this insane basketball mind who's going to have a head coaching job soon. It sounds like they're just kind of waiting for the San Antonio Spurs job to open up a little bit, but that's like a rumor. Um, there's That's not been confirmed. Either way, he's one of those guys where Ime Udoka was very unknown but got hired. Will Hardy is very unknown, but he will be known soon um, because he's going to be a very, very good coach. He's a very good young players coach, and he's a very good X's and O's coach. And it's just a matter of time before he becomes a head coach, but anyways, Will Hardy's a very good coach. And I think that if the Knicks hire him as a coach, um, this would be a huge get for them. And this would immediately make them a much better team just because they would have um, a good amount of young talent that will actually be played. And instead of trying to like 
get these small wins and then do nothing in the playoffs. Like you want to be building up your talent and bake and making a better foundation to, for the future. So yeah, Will yeah, Hardy. I think Thibodeau obviously didn't play the young players as much as he should, especially Obi Toppin. Um, so we wanted to get someone in there who could kind of reshape the culture yep. and give, give the young guys a chance to play. So that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, and then our next move is the one we mentioned. It's kind of far-fetched, but we traded Julius Randle uh, to the Trailblazers for Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe and the number seven pick on draft night. So what would happen is the Blazers would draft Dyson Daniels and then trade his rights to the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, so the Knicks would wind up getting Dyson Daniels and Eric Bledsoe for Julius Randle, which we think would be a really good trade. So, okay. Yeah. So the, I'm, I'm the one that kind of made this trade and this, I just want to explain it a little bit. So basically Julius Randle is not good for this team. I'm not a fan of him at all. Um, he's a good numbers, bad team kind of player, but what we're, what they're doing in New York, he doesn't really need to be a part of it. And I was fine with trading him for a couple for maybe 85 cents on the dollar. I would say, um, that being said, we're not trading him for the pick. We're trading him for the rights to Dyson Daniels. So the Blazers make this pick and Daniels goes up and he puts on the the um, Trailblazers hat and then he's going to go do his interview and then it'll be like fucking the Knicks trade, whatever. And then he'll be like, oh, I got drafted by the Blazers. Now I'm on the Knicks. That's how it kind of goes. So that diminished the value like of that pick because from everything that we've been listening to, the, the Trailblazers are looking to be in a position to maybe move off of this pick because it's kind of a tough spot for them to be in. And they're in just a weird space in the team or as a team with their roster. This now gives them Damian Lillard, Julius Randall, and Josh Hart. That's a very interesting um, core of three players that I think could, that, that definitely makes them a better team. And I think that makes them a more interesting team. This is obviously if Dame wants to do this, you do whatever really Dame wants to do. But I think this, is a win-win trade in my my opinion, and I think <clears throat> the reason we get Eric Bledsoe back is basically for the, to match contracts. But this pick is really the the thing that we're trading for and that has the highest value to us. And Eric Bledsoe, we're just gonna either get rid of him or just pay him out his contract, which is I believe thirteen million or something like that. And Julius Randles was like nineteen million, huge contract, and I don't trust him as a player, but I think um, he would do really well in Portland, and I think that'd be a very interesting fit for both teams and. Dyson Daniels. Tell us about Dyson Daniels, Jordan. Yeah, well, real quick, I just want to say, like, I don't think the Blazers would do this if they were offered this, but it wouldn't be the worst thing for them. They definitely would get better, and Randall could... Um, yeah, it depends what's out there. Yeah, like, Randall could find uh, a place to fit on that Blazers team. I just don't think it's enough that the Blazers would do it. But yeah, Dyson Daniels, um, I'm a big fan of, and mostly because um, with our next next pick, which is the 11th pick, we both decided we would take Johnny Davis. Yes. Who is a great two-guard scorer. I think he's 6'6", super complete offensive player. Um, and then pairing Johnny Davis and R.J. Barrett with a guy like Dyson Daniels who can control the pace, uh, you know, an awesome playmaker, uh, great ball handler. I think those three uh, would be really – fit really well together. Um, mm -hmm. Dyson Daniels – Johnny Davis, RJ Barrett is like a really good young core. Emmanuel that, quickly. Yeah. Emmanuel quickly. Uh, we have him coming off the bench. Like that would be a really fun young core. Uh, if the Knicks could somehow move up to get Dyson Daniels. Yeah. 
And um, obviously, like this is the idealist view. Obviously, we we don't know. This would be like best case scenario draft wise, because um, th- those guys could both go before the Knicks get a hold of them. And in that case, they're still this is a very deep draft, so they're still in a great position with the two picks that they do have to at least make a good decision and at least maybe hit with one of them. I think I think they have a high hit rate, um, hopefully. And yeah, so we're, we're saying that hopefully this works out. And then the next thing we're going to do is we picked Orlando Robinson at pick number 42. He's like, he's basically going to solidify our backcourt with Mitchell Robinson a little bit. Um, we're also going to go into this looking to sign another big because that's kind of where we're, where we're at our worst. Um, we have Taj Gibson as well on the roster. So that's kind of like our big rotation. Um, but Orlando Robinson, he's like seven, one out of Fred or seven foot, seven, one out of Fresno athletic, big, good defender. He actually kind of reminds me of a younger, maybe a little bit small, uh, a little bit younger Mitchell Robinson, less polished, even though Mitchell Robinson is still needs to be polished and needs to work on his injuries and all that. Um, but yeah, so that that's who we pick next. And then uh, speaking of Mitchell Robinson, we decided to resign him. So that's going to be, I don't know exactly what the numbers were on that, but we signed him. I think he wants to stay in New York, right? Yeah, I think uh, Mitchell Robinson is should should be like the Knicks center of the future. He's yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, he's very solid, athletic, Stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think he's very good uh, whenever he's on the court. And then after that, we let a couple guys go. We let Alec Burks, Jericho Sims, um, and then uh, two guys from the bench. Um, we did not re-sign them. And then a, a big move that we made was buying out Kemba Walker's contract, which I think the Knicks will wind up eventually doing because Kemba just has no role on the Knicks. He, they need to get younger and let young guys play. Kemba's contract, it was only $9 million, I think. So we're just going to get him off the roster. We're going to pay him. Like, we don't care. We would rather have him off the roster and paid than on the roster they- and taking up time from our young guys. Yes, they also um, have already agreed to part ways, and I don't know they uh, I don't know how they're going to do that. But like you said, there's no trades out there really for Kemba. So if they're able to find a trade in this scenario, then they'll trade. Yeah. But if they can't find a trade, they're going to buy him out. So we personally could not find a trade because we are whole. This is hard to do. Like GMs have a really really hard job. This is a much simplified version of what they have to do. And I'm sure they're listening to this and being like, I got I just wish it was that easy. But um, yeah, so if they could trade. I see them trading him, but either way, they're getting rid of Kemba. And um, so, yeah, let's talk about uh, what this what this team's like now. So they're not a great team, but they're really fun. They're really young, and they have a good amount of draft capital going into um, the upcoming years. That I think that a couple years, like two years, they're going to have a lot of um, cap room, a lot of draft capital, and a lot of young players. I think it's just a fun team. I don't know. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, well, I think the Knicks need to find some way to move off of Julius Randle, whether it's this summer yeah. or next summer when maybe his value is a little bit higher. They have to get him out of there. And I think R.J. Barrett has shown enough that they should start trying to get guys to build to around R.J. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Johnny Davis at 11 this year would be a great start um, to go along with R.J. And then – eventually you have to get him a point guard. So obviously it might not be feasible for them to get Dyson Daniels this year, but you have to get someone like that um, at some point. So our final starting five that we ended up with in this hypothetical scenario is 
Dyson Daniels, Johnny Davis, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson. I really like that that young five. Um, they would they would lose a lot of games because they're so young, but I think that would be so fun for Knicks fans to watch and give them a lot of flashes and hope for the future, um, building around a lot of those guys. Yeah, and then coming off the bench, we have Derek Rose, Eric Bledsoe, Evan Fournier. <clears throat> I'm thinking you're probably to start the season gonna have it's the starting five will be Derek Rose. Um, I'm assuming RJ Barrett and then Fournier at the three, maybe Toppin at the four and Robinson at the five, just to get some, like just to start the season. Cause I can't imagine them starting with like the yeah, uh, lineup, the average age of like 22, you know, that or 21, like that's very young, but um, yeah, that's what the, the Knicks will be eventually. Hopefully they can get their starting five to be Dyson Daniels, Johnny Davis, RJ Barrett, Obi Top and Mitchell Robinson. Cause two, three, four, five years from now, that's a really good starting lineup lineup yeah. potentially. Um, coming off the bench, so we mentioned D. Rose, Evan Fournier, Manuel quickly. He could also start. Cam Reddish could start, depending on what he gives. And then Quentin Grimes, Taj Gibson could start, and Miles McBride, um, and uh, Eric Bledsoe as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting team. Um, you're not going to be very good very quick, but I think you have a more fun watch than you've had. And I just feel bad for Knicks fans because the NBA is fun when the Knicks are good, and I just want them to be good. Um, I, I really loved like when it was like the last time I can remember them being good was, I guess, Carmelo in the yeah. Christmas, like just whenever he killed the Celtics and all that. That was fun, though. Like that was fun to watch. I remember you being so excited get, for those games. You got to get Randall out of there. Like you have to get some sort of good asset for Randall, like a top pick or a good young player. Yeah. Um, and I really hope they do that. I don't know if if they will, because they seem to screw things up, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully they can get it figured out. But yeah, this was our rebuild. Um, it was a ton of fun. It was really hard. This one was pretty hard just because of Randall and Fournier. We really want to get rid of Fournier too. As Celtics fans, we're not very high on him. And uh, obviously we want to get rid of Kemba, although we love the, the guy. He just, his body kind of gave up on him. And um, yeah, this was, so it, there was definitely some difficult things, but it was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to be doing more stuff like this. So Keep an eye out on Twitter um, and give us feel free to give us any suggestions at any of our socials about um, different teams that you may want us to talk about or rebuild. But, yeah, we're going to be doing more polls like this in the future. So stay tuned. And, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, Jordan. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Lovecast. Unfortunately, it's, we're having to have that talk. We lost. It's tough. Jordan, Jordan's here to come for me. And just comfort each other really it was, it's it's really hard I, I i told my my dad i think this might be the hardest loss for our generation right yeah i mean it's dark dark, theory, <laughs> it's dark. Right? i'm in a dark place right now guys <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not good vibes not so. we're talking about different like i might be an orlando magic fan right now jordan, jordan <laughs> yeah we were we were saying um right after they lost we we both chose new fan bases to join <laughs> um, so I'm a Rockets fan, uh, hoping they get Paulo. Yeah, you know we're in a good spot. Well, for my future. Magic are grabbing Jabari number one or Chet. <laughs> I don't know. It's a bright future for us. Butsy's a Charlotte fan, and he's he's hoping they grab Mark Williams. That's yeah. that's kind of what he's hoping for. No, we love the C's. I actually, <clears throat> it it hurts less as the days go by. And honestly, the morning I like yesterday morning, I felt better because um, I just was like thinking about who we could add as a new piece. Cause like, obviously we need to add a new piece to do anything and we'll get into it more later, but I just was thinking about who we can add and what this team's going to look like 
by the time we start playing a one regular season game. So that felt good. And then I realized like, we're not, it's not, I felt like we're going to be jumping back into the finals, but we're not, we're going all the way back to fucking summer league and preseason. And that kind of sucks. And yeah. uh, I, um, yeah. I don't know. It, I know it, it's obviously a heartbreaking loss, but I just think it didn't hurt me that bad. Cause it just wasn't close. Like it wasn't even yeah. like, like we had a chance in the end we had chances, but we never capitalized. So uh, I, I never had the feeling we were going to win game. See, six. That's, that's why it hurt. See, that's why it hurt me the most is because I felt like by game two, we kind of thought we might've had something like we might've actually yeah. won the series. And then the way that our guys just didn't show up that, that yeah. hurt, that hurt. And then, I agree. it was just like hoping like, as the minutes ticked off, like you, it would be like, all right, we're down like 30, but it's the second quarter. So like, maybe it's come back. Like, and then it was like fourth quarter and it's like, all right, we have nine minutes. We're down by like 14. Maybe we can win something. Maybe this is going to be the greatest game of my entire life. Like, I just was like, get it back to game seven and lose in golden state. That's what we wanted. We wanted them to lose in golden state. Um, yeah. Losing in golden state would have been so much better. Yeah. This was the worst. Yeah. yeah. This just really hurt. Um, so let's get into why we lost i guess i mean it was the same as every other fucking game the last three yeah. losses like turnovers our stars not showing up turnovers um just dumb or low iq basketball plays sometimes um, not running good offense dude i i'm uh, honestly when i say this that is one of the best defensive teams i've ever watched those yeah the 2022 that- boston celtics are an unbelievable defense this -hmm. entire playoffs and they just couldn't score the basketball they couldn't take care of it they couldn't generate good shots and it was really disappointing because you're not always going to have those defensive pieces that all fit together like that with rob will um obviously smart al horford played great defense Derek white like all those everyone on our team was really good on defense maybe except for peyton pritchard Hmm. um and we just we couldn't take advantage of it in the end because we couldn't convert on offense yeah and that's you summed it up perfectly there's not really much more to say on that uh you know this really just sucked uh because i like i really did love this team and we saw we like rode with them all the way and we've watched just about every game every all season and you know, get really into it. And it's just, it's, it was such a long season this season. It felt like obviously, cause we never stay alive this long. So uh, it just sucks to see it end really. And um, yeah, I think even if we had one, it would be bittersweet just for the season to end just as it is. But um, obviously since we lost, it really sucks. But <laughs> since we want to be um, positive guys and a positive, you know, fans, like obviously we love the Celtics. We'll never leave them those Celtics um we're gonna we're gonna do three positives and three negatives that we have taken from this loss um and yeah I think we'll find well I think it I think it'll make us feel a little bit better if we talk about our three positives and three negatives so let's get the negatives out of the way first and then we'll end it with some positivity how you feel about that Jordan? uh sounds good to me all right let's fucking go all right. First, my first negative, and this is the biggest negative, is I, I really thought that this was our year. And I think this is the best chance that we are yeah. going to have in a long time uh, because of how weak these playoff teams were this year uh, and how injured they were. The Nets obviously didn't have their third best player, whether you want that to be James Harden or Ben Simmons. That guy wasn't there. So Joe Harris. Yeah. Joe Harris was also injured. So 
the Nets are going to be better. Uh, the Bucks didn't have their second best player. I don't think we get by the Bucks this year if they no. have Milton. Um, there's uh, the Heat are going to improve next year. There's uh, everyone that we got through is going to get better. And in the Western Conference, teams like the Mavs are already getting better. The Warriors aren't getting any worse. So uh, this was like we were the healthiest team, I think. And this is the weakest I think the league is going to be for a little bit this year. And I don't know. It's not going to be like easy to get back there. So that's my first negative. So, yeah, that was my negative was I, I said wasted opportunities. Um, this is not the weakest the team the league is going to be. It's the strongest, but it's like that we have the most talent. And that's why it's considered like the weakest race, just because it's such we have so much talent, but it's so spread out that I think we need teams that are going to start to consolidate, which we're going to see this offseason teams are going to be consolidating more good players and building up what they have and building off of the core that they have to make contenders. And I think we're just going to see a lot of different teams with chances to hit the playoff or hit the finals, which is good for us. But I completely agree. Like you said, injuries were a huge factor in this. And like, I know it's really hard for the Lakers to get better, but they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You can never count them out. Um, There's just teams that are going to get better. Um, and p- players are going to get back from injury and key players are going to get injured. And the NBA is the NBA. It, you're, you never know what's going to happen, but this, this was completely a wasted opportunity. I think we peaked at the right time and we were so new because our team was built in half a season that teams didn't have time to adjust to our defense. And that's why we won a ton of our games and teams are going to have time to adjust to our defense. Now they're going to have a whole off season to watch film on us and build on the knowledge they have of us and um the warriors played with us for, for six games so now they have a lot of knowledge about us like it's just going to be harder from now on and yeah we wasted a, we completely wasted opportunities so that was kind of tough um the one i have was um if this series broke tatum which i don't think it did but i mean it did break him but what I mean by break is if it like broke, broke him, like if he no longer is that type of player where he has like an alpha mentality, if he is now stunted because of what happened, which I don't think he will. I think he's going to go to the fucking lab and see all these people in his mentions making fun of him. And he's just going to use this as motivation and power through and become better than ever. But say on the downside, if this actually broke him, uh, that's really bad for our team. Um, yeah. That's that's what we built around. So that's a big issue that we'll have to address. Yeah, right? you could see him like really hanging his head. I saw him in the post game press conference, like not even wanting to answer questions, um, and just his overall body language. Like you could see his confidence was absolutely stripped. And I, like you said, I think he'll come back stronger eventually. Um, but yeah, it, it's not good to see your your star player looking yeah. that discouraged. Um, my next one is I I thought. Uh, we were the more talented team and we beat ourselves, honestly. And that sucks. Yeah. It, it, it would have been one thing if we got outplayed and they made a ton of shots and uh, played better defense, had better players. But I think we had the more talented team. We just couldn't take care of the ball and we couldn't execute it, I don't think it was anything the Warriors were doing. I honestly think we shot ourselves in the foot um, in almost all the games we lost um, maybe other than game two, but yeah, I just, I, I hate, 
I hate seeing the Celtics and any team. I hate seeing any team like beat themselves and the Celtics yeah. do that more than anyone. Exactly. That's, I completely agree. And this kind of, my third one kind of goes off of this. Like, and I, I like what you said there that it just sucks to watch a team beat themselves. Cause I completely agree. That's to me, that's like wasted talent almost. That's kind of like losing a player to injury. Like you want to watch, I watch the NBA to watch the best athletes compete, you know, and play well. Yeah. And then play their hardest. Like it's so much more fun when it's like going shot for shot. Like mm-hmm. um, when it was Giannis would go and drive down, throw a player down and lay it in. And then Tatum would get the ball and be like, all right, my turn, go up and hit a three. That was awesome. It was not yeah. fun watching Tatum be scared and Curry run around and hit shots in his mouth and just, you know, like showboat in front of him. And then Tatum just get the ball and dribble off his it immediately foot, or dribble throw off it away foot, or give it to Jalen Brown and have it dribble off of his foot. Um, it's not fun watching our defensive player of the year embarrass himself and flop around for the last yeah. four minutes of the game, trying to do anything to get a foul. But just at that point, it was just like, crazy what he was doing it was just it's just not fun to watch stuff like that i completely agree and kind of going off of that was my last one sorry that was my dog having a nightmare <laughs> that was... oh poor bucky um so yeah going off of that was maybe this core doesn't work and this is i i don't actually believe this i'm just putting that out there but you never know okay there's always like a percent chance that this could be it and maybe this core doesn't work and maybe everything is worst case scenario and we have to rebuild. That would just be kind of tough because I had high hopes for this team and I thought we had a really good foundation, but I don't think it's going to go that way. This is just like a very pessimistic outlook, but that was just one. That was just one. I just wanted to put on there. Like well, I think it's valid. Scenario. I think it's a valid like idea to throw out there. It's not a, unfathomable concept that like Tatum and Brown can't have a good game on the same night. It seems Yeah, it's really frustrating. And I don't think it has anything to do with the fit, which is why I think this core can work. Yeah. I I just think those two, for whatever reason, couldn't get it going off of each other during this playoff run. Mm -hmm. And we've seen them do it. Like I've seen them in the regular season, both go for like 30 um, and they they did have a couple games together this playoff series, but it just felt like one of them would be really going off one game and the other would not only like they couldn't even have an average game. Like one of them would just shoot like 30 percent or something. Yeah, they have like and 14 points. So I don't think that's uh, like super far fetched idea, but I, I, I still want to keep them together. I don't I don't I think they'll figure it out. I agree. My, my last one. I think we just kind of showed that our whole team just lacks mental toughness and fight and like any sort of clutchness or closing sort of mentality. <laughs> and it, it starts with Tatum. Cause that's, that's the guy he's supposed to be our closer. And when you have a, a player that that's that good, everyone else kind of feeds off of their energy. And when Tatum is, you know, having that sulking body language, um, shooting horribly, turning the ball over, not being aggressive, that leaks over into the entire team. And I think we just showed in games five and six, we have no mental toughness. When when things go wrong, we can't respond. Mm-hmm. And we it, fall apart. Like, yeah, it starts with Tatum, but it's everyone. Like no one is able to step up and say, all right, I'll 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 make a play. I'll I'll do something. 
And it's just, it's hard to watch because we had so much talent and fit together on paper really well. We just, I don't know. We had, we had no fight. I completely agree. Um, we fell apart and that's a scary thing that te- you don't often watch teams fall apart like that. Um, yeah. And just completely fall apart. And similar to watching the Suns in, in game six yeah, and seven. I completely agree. And you could watch it. You could watch them slowly erode as this, as they went through the series. Like they, they, they had to, they really, really kept it close with Milwaukee. They weren't, it wasn't a perfect win over Milwaukee. I mean, yeah. they swept, they swept Brooklyn and they looked nice, but they didn't look like, yeah, it wasn't. It, so they looked at their strongest at Brooklyn and then it, Milwaukee definitely chipped away at them. Miami really chipped away at them. And then that's what Golden State finished them off easily. Yeah. And you could just watch them slowly wither away. And it was, it's really tough to watch a team do that, especially a team that you're like, very emotionally connected to you know just (laughs) you you saw them build so well all season it was such a turnaround from halfway through the season because they they looked like the team they were at the beginning of the season um when they They lost which that team was so awful to watch i i hated watching them every night it was just such a pain because they were just not fun they would fall apart like this every single time so Yeah. yeah that's that's good um now I feel down, but that's okay because we're coming up to the positive segment. Um, yeah, let's get into it. All right, my first positive is just having the finals experience. So obviously they kept showing that stat that once we got to the finals, none of our players had ever been to a finals game. And I think that definitely ended up playing a factor. Obviously we saw Tatum fall apart in the last couple of games. Um, our whole team like just lose control in terms of turnovers, in terms of executing offense, really uh, every aspect of our offensive game, shot selection, everything. Um, The pressure, I don't know if it was the pressure or if it was the Warriors speeding us up or like whatever it was, I do think having finals experience under our belt, um, having this this pain of losing is going to make us better uh, in the long run if if we can ever get back. Yeah, so that's basically exactly what i said and the celtics are definitely not this because they have not won anything so don't like aggregate this but i just said every dynasty needs this now the celtics are not a dynasty but if they are they're building a very good foundation with very good players and if they get another piece and they're able to have a winning formula with that piece and they're able to they're they would be um, they would have the chance to really draw out as many wins as possible and be and be winners for a long time with what they have because they can be very dynamic, but they're not with what they have currently. They need to add another piece, like of course. But a part of having a dynasty and a part of winning for a very long time is going through tough losses like this and rebuilding um, what you have with or rebuilding with what you have and fixing what you already have and or just tweaking it like you don't need to blow this up this is this is a winning formula it's not like you didn't win you won an eastern conference final like you went to the finals it's not like you lost your way to the finals that's not possible so this team has a winning formula they just need some extra pieces and this experience like you said jordan is going to be massive for them because when we watched the warriors play us the biggest thing that really stuck out to me was and as Mark Jackson mentioned numerous fucking times on the podcast, that who's like, they've been there. Like they kept saying that all, all the time. He just kept saying, they've been there. They've been there over and over again. And um, he's like, the difference between the Warriors and the Celtics, that they've been there. And um, 
yeah, they this the Warriors just had a lot more experience. They knew what to do when the Celtics went on a run. They would be like, all right, go get a bucket now. I need to go get a shot. Um, and then they'd quiet us down and we could never answer them. So now we have experience that is going to be extremely helpful. That's and that's huge. So every, every like I said, every every winning team needs this experience. Yeah. Um, my next one, I think we showed we're we're super close to being a dominant team. I think we are one piece away from being really like like the team to beat. And I don't know if we can get that piece, but I think we're we're just that close. We need just a tiny boost to get over the hump. And if we get a big boost, then we can be the the dominant team and the best team in the league. So I think that's definitely a positive. We're so close. We just need a little bit of tweaks here and there. Tatum needs to figure it out a little bit in in closing time. Uh, We need to control our turnovers and we need maybe a couple extra players or one really good player. Like Pritchard just needs to play better, I think. Pritchard did need to step up a little in the fourth. (laughs) Um. So going off that, yes, we have a, my second one was we have a young core and we have a really young core. And I know I've been talking about this before and that I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast and he talked about how, what everyone else did when they were the same age as Tatum, not a lot of winning in that sense. Like Steph, it was 2012 for Steph. Warriors hadn't won yet. Uh, LeBron hadn't won anything. Kevin Durant hadn't won anything. So Tatum is 24. He's still extremely young. I know that's like a meme. But it's the truth. And uh, Brown's 25. He's extremely young. Like Jordan said, we just need one more piece. And we're not an old team anymore. Um, we're a really young team. And it's just we have we, we have a good core. We're, we're fine with that. So it's not like a huge reason for us to freak out. It just sucks, really, that it's just going to take such a long path to go back is really what the downside yeah. is. But we Definitely. do have a young core. Yeah. My last positive and it's also kind of a negative, but I think it, this series and this whole run exposed our weaknesses and showed us yeah. what we need to get better at. And that's first and foremost, controlling the turnovers. Uh, they, they kept going back to the stat where it was like, if we had 15 or less turnovers, we were like 13 and two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we had more than that, we, we were, I don't know if we could even win a game. Like we have to get our turnovers under control and, then the other thing, our, our clear weakness was just fourth quarter scoring and, and clutch time scoring. I know, I think we actually had good stats in the fourth quarter, but it showed in the last two games, we don't have a closer and we need Tatum to step up and be that guy. And he's going to see that now and hopefully um, improve on that. Yeah. And um, that's a really good one. I did not have that one. I, my final one was we have more moves to make and we have the ability to make those moves, which is what's fun about this. We have almost a $17 million uh, player, ex- a trade exception, which expires in July. So we have to get rid of that soon. And obviously that's going to happen around uh, free agency and draft time, but that's coming up like draft is next week. So yeah, th- this is, there's going to be some movement for sure because the Celtics want to win now. They, I think they're thinking the same way as most fans. Um, obviously, they're much smarter. They know what they're doing because this is their entire livelihood. But um, I believe that they're probably going to be thinking to build and thinking that they have a great core. That's what I think, and I'm sure they agree. And in doing so, they're going to have to use that, that exception, which can land them a pretty nice piece. So this is going to be exciting because 
they need something and they have the ability to get what they go, what they need. So they're going to be smart and do it, hopefully. And there's a lot of players that are available that this is the year where there's not a lot of star free agents, but that's not what the Celtics are looking for. I mean, obviously that would be awesome. You always want another star, yeah. but that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for like a really good scoring. Well, what are they looking for, Jordan? What do you think they're looking I think, for? I think we need uh, a true point guard to slow the pace. So John Wall, Mike Conley. Um, I don't know. I mean, those guys are, I wouldn't mind those guys, but I think you would have to like trade. I wouldn't be willing to trade like good young pieces for them. John Wall is free agent, I think. I think. Or yeah. he's, I don't know. I don't know. Never mind. Don't even quote I don't me. know. I like John Wall. Uh, I, I don't know how expensive he would be or, or what, but I, I think that's the type of player they should target. I don't know. The question becomes how aggressive are they going to be in terms of trades? Who is safe on our team? Who is not? Yeah. It's like, because we want to really make a move. We're going to have to give up. Yeah, you're going to have to give up at yeah. least. I'm sure Neesmith's gone. I think he probably knows that. Um, but he's not gonna get you anything. I know, but I'm a, like as a piece. I'm sure it would. I'm sure it's most likely like Neesmith, um, Grant, and Pritchard are their more are their most tradable contracts. Yeah, I. So if a trade goes I down, I think be, it has to be with some of those players. Like, and Tice is a good be, contract, kind of. I know, but none of those players are gonna get you the. I know, I know. That's what. I'm, so it's yeah. like if you want to go for that blockbuster deal, it's gonna have to be smart or Robert Williams, or anyone other than Tatum and Brown is going to have to be involved. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't think the Celtics are going to no, do that. That so. exception, that it, the exception allows for them to absorb cap so they can get right. bigger and bigger caliber players. But so, and that exception is a commodity itself. But yes, I, you're right. Like those guys together aren't going to give you a good piece. It's going to, they're going to have to take some maneuvering. It's going to be interesting to see what Brad Stevens does because He's proven to make some <clears throat> really smart trades so far. That Derek White trade, as much as he shit the bed in the finals, um, he's still extremely important to what he to what we wouldn't have been there. One, we wouldn't have not we would not have been in the finals without Derek White. Two, yeah. he's in, extremely important to what we do and what we can want to continue to do. So there's no reason for us to give him up. He's I would say he's probably safe, especially because they use that really important unprotected first round pick. Yeah. Um, or it was something special about that first round pick. I forget if it was unprotected or protected, but that's going to be a huge piece in the future. So, yeah. Um yeah, that was our three positives and our three negatives. Uh I think I feel a little bit better now. More than anything, I'm excited. I think I'm just not going to think about this loss too much. I think we're just going to yeah. have to this will be one I just probably never talk about again after this. Uh, and I'm just going to look forward to the draft, see what the teams do and just have a lot of fun with that. Cause there's a lot of news and um, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. And it was a good season, JD. Thanks for talking Celtics with me. We're going to continue to talk Celtics, but it's just going to be a different season. So yeah, yeah. I'll uh, talk to you guys later.